Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Self-Publishing Tips and Tricks Show, a series designed to give you insight into the world of self-publishing and marketing your books. I'm Morgan Lee, and I'm here with my co-hosts. I'm Shannon, writing under the pen name S.D. Houston. And I'm Ben Pick. And today we are here with K.R. Ray, the author of the award-winning Colors Trilogy. We're going to ask her questions about her self-publishing journey and how she markets her work. But before we jump into the interview, do you all have any news or points of interest you'd like to talk about? So coming out on November 1st, I'm not sure where I'll be, but I'm hoping to be done with at least the first book in my next series I'm writing and hopefully starting on the second or third book, depending on how far I get in my writing process, continuing to market uh, the books that I have out in my trilogy clash of houses. Nice, nice. As for me, I am hoping to be a month out from publishing my second novel, which will be a lot of fun. It's the sequel to Falling Through. And that's mostly it. I'd like to be, you know, a couple of tens of thousands of words in, into the third book of that, but we'll see how far I get in there. Awesome. And then for me, I think I have settled on a tentative publication date for book two, Seed Among the Rocks. So if everything goes according to plan, that'll come out November 5th will be the release date for that book. So um, I'll be gearing up to release that. So hopefully that goes really well. That'll be exciting. That'll happen just a few days after this podcast goes live. Yeah. All right. So now let's talk about our guest author today. K.R. Ray is a screenwriter, marketer, and the author of the award-winning Amazon bestselling Colors Trilogy. She lives in Maryland with her husband and two sons. Throughout her diverse career working as a mechanical engineer, adjunct professor, and in sales, she continues to weave her love of marketing, computer information systems, and operations together with her passion for writing. So let's welcome K.R. Ray. Hello. 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 Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for joining us. Did you want to say anything else about yourself before we jump in? Anything that we missed? The fantastic introduction. And the only other thing is I'm in the process of we're trying to get my fourth book traditionally published right now. So that's the, the latest and greatest with me. So Awesome. So before we jump into questions of self-publishing and marketing, could you tell us what made you want to start writing? <laughs> that's a hilarious story. And my poor husband is to blame. I wound up two o'clock in the morning having this crazy dream. It was kind of like a nightmare. I'm in a movie theater. I'm watching this very scary Robin Williams movie that did not exist. And so I hit my husband. I'm like, sweetie, sweetie, you would have had to see this movie. It was like crazy and horrible and wonderful at the same time. And he's like, it's two o'clock in the morning. Just write about it and go back to sleep. Little did the, 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 my sweet, wonderful husband know, but that started this whole journey. I immediately the next day started looking into screenplays, how to write screenplays, taking classes. And that actually started, kickstarted the whole journey into writing. Wow. So that's, um, we have a lot of authors we've interviewed her like well you know i like to write since i was a kid which i think is true for like even me <laughs> so that's a, a different uh, beginning for your journey there and uh, has robin williams ever played anything serious he has he has <laughs> there was another um if you ever saw one hour photo and like some other movies like that where he's this person that's a little off the off a little a little unhinged yeah shall we say yeah. and so it was probably about the same time uh, right before that movie came out and i was like ah <laughs> well can you tell us a little bit about your your journey to self-publishing that first book. Definitely. So um, took that screenplay, actually took, wound up doing two other screenplays and never actually finished the Robin Williams one. It's still sitting in my almost finished pile, but wound up submitting my other screenplays and won awards for both of them. So they're both award-winning screenplays. And so went off to Hollywood and I'm like, hey, I've got two award-winning screenplays. How do we get these on the big screen? And they go, we're not doing original specs right now. We're only doing book adaptations. Have you written a book? I was like, 
no, but came back and that's how the Colors Trilogy came about. So um, has nothing to do at all with the first two screenplays. One's horror, one's a drama about two couples in their 50s that find out a little hanky-panky's been going on. Wanted to just bring to life kind of like the college experience with Colors Trilogy. And so that's how they came about. Have you thought about writing the books for your screenplays? Yes. So um, <laughs> de definitely have thought about that. My husband absolutely loves the horror one that I did, and he would love for me to turn that one into a screen, into a novel at some point in time. So I may do that. <laughs> Tons of cool ideas always popping around. How did you make the decision to self-publish versus traditionally publish? When Colors Trilogy came out, 2013-2014, and at the time, New Adult was this genre that was supposed to take off and be the next big thing, right? And so I looked, using my engineering background, right, I researched everything like crazy. And so I looked at the pros and cons of both self-publishing and traditionally publishing. And so I said, hey, let me write the whole trilogy while I'm trying to get it traditionally published and see what happens. But at the same time, I'm learning and soaking up like a sponge all of the different pros and cons and business benefits of self-publishing as well. And when I didn't get any hits off of my query letter, and I've since found out why, <laughs> query letters are a whole nother beast, right? Um, and again, because new adult was new, and so agents weren't as willing to take a risk on something that's new, right? It just wound out that it made more sense for me to self-publish. And so I created my own publishing imprint, JPAP Publishing, and then did all the different things that you need to do with running a business and really making it professional from that, that standpoint. And so absolutely loved all of the wonderful authors that were out there and entrepreneurs that were telling you how to self-publish and what you needed to look for. So it was a great decision. What one misconception did you have about self-publishing before you got started? So the cool thing with me, because I'd done so much research on it, I actually didn't have any misconceptions. I knew what I was getting into, eyes wide open. But one of the things that I hear from so many different authors that are considering it is this, they, they, they kind of expect the field of dreams, right? If you build the book, they will come. It's going to miraculously sell multi-millions and it's going to make a screenplay and it's going to be on films and all this other stuff and they do not realize that you really have to be able to market your book and get the word out there because there's so many books published um, i think the last statistic i saw were four million books published um in 2020 in the u.s alone um, so when you're one of four million how do you let the world know that your book's out there how do you get it out so that's the thing the big misconception that a lot of authors have is just that oh i build it they'll come life will be happy <laughs> and I think in our, our age of so much information being available now that I'm hoping that people are doing their homework or at least just even a cursory glance and see that you don't make money straight out the gate writing one book. Very few people actually hit no, it. So. No. You, need, you need the magic number I've heard is about seven. If you get about seven books, that's when you can start to make five, six figures um, comfortably. But again, they have to be really good books and you have to have the whole backlog. Uh, it's, it's funny you say that because I was actually just listening to an older episode from um, the podcast the self-publishing show where they had um, Stephen Hicks on and he when he got to his seventh book he was actually making you know five thousand dollars a month at that point so there you go <laughs> 
Okay, so you did a co total cover rebrand for your colors trilogy this year. Can you tell us about your thinking and what decisions you made for your covers that were different from your original covers? Definitely. This is a fantastic question and part of that whole self-publishing as our own bosses, right? We need to be able to make wise decisions as we go through. When my books originally came out, I wanted to pay homage to like the Terry McMillans and the Kimberla Lawson Robies of the world, the Eric Jerome Dickies, and have um, a lot of the uh, pretty much illustrated covers that a lot of the books at that time have. And they still do. There's, you know, you can still find just as many illustrated covers as, as not. So back then, these were the original three covers. Um, the difference is we had, and I'm, I'm very much that marketing background comes through as well. I'm forever focus group testing, interviewing, surveying people to, to see what they think, right? So I listen to people when I'm in events. Um, I would ask people straight out, what do you think of the covers? And it was hilarious. I had a 50-50 sweat where 50% of the people loved it and they're like, they're so bright and colorful and that's why I got them and I just love them and I don't like seeing people's faces. I want to be able to imagine what people look like, right? And the other half were like, hated it, would not have picked up your book. One of the most helpful pieces of criticism, but it was one that also was like, ow, um, was talking to a cover designer and he's like, are these coloring books? What the hell is this? You know, kind of thinking, I was like, oh, no, they're not coloring books, right? But <laughs> that was kind of the thing, right? And so I've always known from the beginning that it either helps me tremendously or hurt me tremendously. And so I've always considered going back through and redoing the covers. So now you will see these are the new covers. And so it is just really cool being able to see like the realism of some of the characters coming to life that people immediately see that there's the three characters, even though each one has kind of like a, their own cover photo for the front. People immediately see and recognize what kind of book it is, that it's contemporary, that it seems like it might be a little spicy and it might be a little dangerous and fun, but about friendship and love. And so it, it really shines through now. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And if I can really quickly just summarize to uh, to give a visual for what those book covers look like. So the new versions, you have three books and each of them focuses on a different character. And each of those are very photorealistic. And, you know, you yes. sort of, you mentioned you have other characters sort of in the background. Yes. And so it's a good way to visualize who the characters are who are taking place within the book. And quite handsome, uh, I, I might say. Uh, handsome, beautiful. Uh, definitely young. Definitely gives off a romance uh, vibe based on um, just a physical attraction point of view. Definitely. And then kind of like ghosted in the background, you'll see the other two characters. So it's about Melody, Amani, and Lance. And what it takes to screw up a friendship is what I like to say. So, <laughs> right. And then the older versions are more, I don't want to say cartoony, but they're, they're stylized. So it's more like they're in shadow yes. and you can see three different figures, but you can't really tell much of their physical descriptions. No, exactly. You have much more of the- Your highlighted um, Silhouettes um, where you just kind of get a hint of what, well, maybe they're kind of jazzy and snazzy and like, but you don't really know. So. <laughs> sure, sure. And and a lot of people do change, a lot of authors change their covers, but those are usually found on Goodreads and Amazon. If you look back, you can see what previous versions look like. How did you, how were you able to remove those old covers so they were taken off of the websites? And now you just have those beautiful stylized photos. Yes. So again, with me being so very hands-on and the whole entire publishing process for each of my books, really seriously, I was the physical one uploading and downloading different um, images, um, linking 
Instagram, and especially now with, unfortunately, Amazon kind of owning Goodreads, right? They have that direct link straight over. And so when you set everything up behind the scenes so that it's pulling directly from Amazon, and then you're putting what's getting fed into Amazon, as well as like draft to digital, which then fetches out to like Kobo and Apple and Google, et cetera, Books a Million, Barnes and Noble, you have more control over being able to pull that down. So the only way you usually see one of the old images, every once in a while, I will have people that are reselling some of the books that I've signed. <laughs> the, the craziest one, it was, I saw one that was going for like $1,200. I'm like, really? Seriously? <laughs> what? But um, you'll still see because sometimes uh, users will upload their own photos, so you can't really do anything about that. But the rest of the stuff, if you have everything really um, put together behind the scenes where you're doing all of the actual uploading or your publication, whoever you're using to publish for you, make sure that they're really doing, utilizing all those links and making sure that they're um, all up to date. Well, I've heard quite a few authors who've said that no matter what they did, they couldn't get their they own couldn't get it down. <laughs> yeah, especially Goodreads. Like it keeps yeah, the history of everything. Goodreads, every once in a while, especially because um, some of my original reviewers, same kind of thing, it'll pop it up if you hit on one of theirs. But especially now lately with their direct connection with Amazon, you can kind of like short circuit that and have it force it to pull the latest Amazon one. So you're currently working on getting more book reviews for your books. Could you tell us what you're testing and do you have any results from, from that yet? Yes. So one of the things that really also helps your book take off is if you're able to go to Amazon, Goodreads, Barnes & Noble, et cetera, and have more than like one or zero kind of reviews on there, right? And so a big portion of this is going through and especially with like a fourth book probably coming out maybe in a year or two, depending on, you know, the whole public, traditional publishing cycle. You're building up your, your newsletter, you're building up your launch group. Um, so folks that have like recently signed up for my newsletter, I'm saying, hey, if you haven't gone through and actually published a review, please do that. But some of the ones that I'm using right now are um, Etsy Bitsy Book Promotions, which they have been fantastic. Colleen is the owner there. I actually heard about it on the Dream Team Network. And uh, typically for some of the other genres, and she covers a ton of different genres, people, authors have been getting like 30 to 40, maybe 50 sometimes book reviews using her services. I just finished the first one with it being new adult and with my books having pretty much everything that you don't want to have in there. I have like all kinds of trigger warnings. It's like there's domestic abuse, there's suicide, there's a lot of stuff that happens in my books. It's not the traditional happily ever after until like the third book. It, it's hard to get people to go like, hey, that's not romance because again, not happily ever after right off the bat, right? And it's, it's not a traditional chiclet because one of the main characters is a guy and talks about his experience trying to get into football. And it's like, it's not African-American lit because two of the main characters are black, but one's white. And they're the whole point of it is they're in a multicultural university in upstate New York and a predominantly like white college, right? So <laughs> it's just all of the different things that are usual, like uh, marketing lanes that you could go down. This book doesn't have it, right? It has the exact opposite. So going through and utilizing Itsy Bitsy Book Review, I'm 
also looking at zero alchemy right now. So that one's just starting. I've gotten about 20 something reviews from it's super, super book review. And right now, like I said, the zero alchemy one's just started. It's gotten about eight books that have signed up so far and it's just been in for about a week and a half. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Thank you for sharing those tips. And especially, um, I just started doing that, you know, saying to my new uh, subscribers on my email list, Hey, if you haven't reviewed the book, if you had a chance to read it, would you mind reviewing it? I don't you know. You have I to do that. You definitely have to do that because most of your readers are like, Oh, it's no big deal. You know, there's other stuff that's out there or they just don't realize how important it is for authors, even though they're usually using it to go like, Hmm, should I download this book? Should I order this book? But yeah, it's just reminding them that if you loved it, even if you hated it, put out a review, um, at all helps. Right. So in your series, the color trilogy, your characters feel so vibrant and specific with Imani going to school for a chemical engineering degree and your own mechanical engineering degree. Are they based on your experiences or people, you know, so people have told me one of the greatest compliments I get all the time is that my books are very relatable. I've had people at book club meetings that have accused me of being a fly on the wall in their dorm room in Mississippi. And I'm like, I visited Mississippi, not your, not your college, not your dorm room, anything like that. One of the greatest compliments I, I received was you're like the Dick Wolf where you're just like straight hot, ripped from the headlines. Right. And for me, even though it's not exactly my experience, it was definitely influenced by my experience going to a traditionally um, white college, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute up in New York. Right. And so it was just, huh, let's take fiction like fact and how can we make it even crazier and more, you know, dramatic, suspenseful, romantic than real life. Right. And so I, I love just really watching what's going on out there and taking bits and pieces and making them even crazier. So. Do you hope that you're going to inspire your diverse readership to overcome difficulties and trauma in their own lives based on the challenges that the trio face in the color trilogy? Definitely. One of the main things in the first storyline, um, Melody, one of the characters, three main characters gets into an abuse relationship. I actually proceeds from the first book, uh, went to two different domestic abuse shelters. I wound up, you know, when I first started um, getting ready to publish the books, going to different shelters and saying, would this help, you know, some of the women or men that are, you know, going through your system. And they're like, oh my gosh, yes. There were some that were like, no, we don't want to have anything else that triggers kind of thing. But others were like, this explains like step by step what happens and how you get sucked into these relationships and, and what that person does to kind of like isolate you and, and from your friends and, and make your friends like give up on you at points in time. Right. And so, and what as friends can you do to help somebody that you see that are going through abuse relationships? And so definitely it's one of the many things, many topics that get addressed in the series, but I, I always hope that it helps people out there. And I've definitely heard from women that say, oh my gosh, this was my story. Um, and then I hear from others who are like, she was so frustrating. I don't understand how anybody could do this and not see, right? It's just like, okay, help with like empathy, empathy, right? Because this is a, this is a thing that, um, epidemic that happens around the world. So that's really, um, I don't want to say, I don't know if inspiring is the right word, but that's really like, I don't know. It, I, I love when like fiction has, um, a message or an impact that so people's experiences are seen. So I just love that. I just wanted to say that. Um, so if you could only pass on one thing to aspiring self-published writers, what would be your best publishing tip or trick? Don't give up. <laughs> it's, 
It's when you know what you want from this. So one of the hesitations I give a lot is goal setting your way to publication, right? It's all about knowing what you want to get out of this whole experience. Some people want to just get their story out there. So maybe they have personally gone through an abusive relationship, right? Or they've overcome something traumatic in their life and they want to have their memoir out there, right? Or others are like me and it's just like these crazy characters want to get out and all these fantastic stories need to be told. And then of course there's there's some that are like, yes, I want to be able to quit my job and make millions <laughs> and see my name and lights everywhere, right? And it's like, you have to come into it with realistic expectations. If, you know, depending on what your goals are, make sure that you're not giving up on your dreams, right? Put in place specific goals that can help you get to where you want to go. And what I find so many times are people get their first rejection letter or they publish their book and nobody buys it. And they're like, this was stupid. It was like, you know, pipe dream. I shouldn't have done this and they just give up and it's like you're always right there about to make a breakthrough and you just don't know so don't give up keep keep this is your passion keep going <laughs> and that's great advice for both self-publishers and traditionally published authors or who those who are seeking uh, traditional publishing because definitely. you definitely have to have that um, determination and grit to continue you do so you've mentioned already that you are seeking traditionally publishing or traditional publishing for your fourth book how did you come to that decision so this has been a very interesting journey. My youngest son, when the first trilogy came out, I wound up doing probably about 32 to 35 events in like 15 months. So weekends, evenings, yeah. <laughs> I was all around the place, <laughs> like uh, just doing these wonderful events. And so each time I'd come home, my son would go, Mom, what famous person did you meet this time? How many people did you speak to in the audience this time, right? And I'm like, why? And he's like, I want to write a book. And I go, no, you don't write a book because of that, because none of that is guaranteed. Most authors don't have the success that I had with the Colors Trilogy. They never get to meet Stan Lee or Mary Higgins Clark or, you know, Kimberla Lawson Roby or anybody like that, right? And they definitely don't get to speak in front of like up to 200 people in a room and conferences and on panels, right? So I say, you write because you love these characters. They're in your head. You want to get it out, et cetera. And so for him, it was, he was like, I don't care, mom. We're still going to write. I'm like, okay, cool. What do you want to write about? And so at the time he was around 12, he's like, well, I need something I can read because I told him they couldn't read mine because it has a little bit of sex, a little bit of, <laughs> a little bit of profanity. They couldn't read my books at the time. And so he goes, I want to read like sci-fi, fantasy, something like Harry Potter, but for me. I'm like, all right, let's make it happen. And so we went through and storyboarded a whole entire trilogy. We had started writing it and then life got in the way, right? And every time I would go like, hey, you ready to write? And he's like, hmm, I have to go play like soccer or I have homework to do or, oh, my friends are calling, right? And so for six years, went on author hi hiatus for that, didn't touch it. And then when the pandemic hit, I started reading like crazy again and the writing bug just popped right back in and I'm like baby I'm writing these books with or without you and he's like no mom let's do this right so <laughs> sat down January to October last year we wrote the first of the three books and so same thing that I tell all of the the folks that get us on my presentations all right let's pull up my goals from the you know the colors trilogy what do you want the goals to be for this trilogy and he goes mom you're gonna hate me but I want all of your goals and double them I was like okay <laughs> and he goes, I know how bad you wanted the Colors Trilogy on the big screen, kind of like Best Men or anything like that, right? And he goes, this book has to be on the big screen. And I go, sweetie, just being completely honest with you, I could probably do kind of like the double some of my numbers, but 
to get that last part of getting on the big screen, I said traditionally published authors are the ones where you get like, like 90, 95%, well, actually like 95, 98% are the ones that are traditionally published. And I go as self-published or even under our own publishing imprint, our chances are like 2%, maybe 5%. And so went through with him, all the pros and cons of getting traditionally published or versus publishing ourselves. And he's like, let's do this. I, I have a good feeling. So that's how we went through this journey so far. So we've gotten it professionally edited, but some of our goals are to, again, be award-winning, to be best-selling. But whereas I'm an Amazon bestseller this time, you know, take it up a notch, right? Let's be USA to Dimes, USA Today um, bestseller. Let's be New York Times bestseller, right? And so that was part of our goal in looking for editors, which editors have experience definitely in our genre, definitely in traditional publishing world and with like bestsellers and with award winners. And so you have to really, you know, depending on your goals, you have to continue to keep uh, leveling up <laughs> and trying to go from there. So we'll see what will happen. Um, right now, we have gotten a lot of interest uh, in pitch sessions that we've done. And um, so fingers crossed. <laughs> That's wonderful. And definitely, definitely good luck. Thank what, you. I'd like to shift over to from publishing to marketing. What are some marketing tools and services you've used in the past? Aside from, you mentioned Itsy Bitsy Book Review and Zero Alchemy. If you yes. want, could you elaborate on those or share other tools and services you've used? I have, because I, I love that engineering part comes out, right? I love testing different things out and trying different things out. And I soak up what everybody else says and what they've used. And I try to do different things. So for me, um, especially getting to be an Amazon bestseller, um, the thing that worked best for me was getting a book club featured deal. That hands down uh, was one of the best things. They're extremely difficult now to get. They were difficult to get back then, but they're extremely difficult now to get. But if you're able to, they work wonders for getting your book in front of thousands of readers. When I had the Amazon bestseller status, we had like 16,000 books that were purchased in for a four day period. Uh, wound up, I think like 18,000 by the time the week was up. So it's just, that was definitely one of the, the biggest, the biggest bumps. But I've tried everything from Facebook ads. Right now I'm playing with those, with Bookbub ads, just the ads, not the featured deal, Amazon ads, ad stacking and, and et cetera. So I'm definitely looking at a lot of different avenues out there, what to do and, and testing certain things out. So playing with price points, playing with promotions, playing with different graphics, uh, ad graphics, and just testing out, a, doing a lot of A-B testing and seeing what works best. So it's a ton of stuff out there for marketing. <laughs> definitely make sure you know your budget and have a budget set first. That would definitely be a big piece of advice because you can lose your shirt and advertising if you're not careful very quickly. So yeah, just look and learn from others and continue to try to just test things out little by little. Don't go full blown all at one time. So with getting the book up deal, so when you publish your books, are your books wide or are they only, are they Amazon wide. exclusive or wide? Okay. Yeah. The reason I always did wide and that was part of the, you know, as you're determining how you want to self-publish, right? For me, I've, I learned to read at three, started writing at four. I've always been like, had a library card since I was like two kind of thing. And so for me, one of the things that I always wanted to do was to be able to get into libraries, to be able to go to some of the just independent bookstores that are out there. Being in the business, you know, that independent bookstores are getting like hammered by Amazon. And so I've always wanted to have a plethora of ways that people could get my books. Uh, my books have sold around the world. So I have readers in Germany and 
England and Japan and South Africa, so <laughs> like Spain. So you have to be able to have multiple ways for people to get your books. Uh, one of the things that I'm really starting to come back to and think about again now. So currently my books are in ebook, paperback, hard, um, hardback versions, but I've always wanted to do audio book. And so that's been something that's, um, <laughs> hitting, I had like three different people tell me like over the last two days, audiobooks, audiobooks. So that's popping back up. So to be able to do that, you need to, you know, weigh the pros and cons. Most of my sales, I will admit, have been off of Amazon. So with it taking like 70% of my sales, I'm not going to ever be like, oh, no, no Amazon. But at the same time, I, I didn't want to go solo with just Amazon, exclusive with just Amazon. But that does play into some of your marketing ability and capabilities because KDP Select has a lot of different things that they do for people that do wish to go um, strictly with them. So weigh the pros and cons and do what works best for, for your situation, definitely. Good point to make. And yeah, audiobooks are definitely on the rise right now. So yes. I keep considering it for my own books and, but it's expensive. It is definitely a cost. And then I also know that my first book was probably not written the best that it could be. By the time I got to my third book, I realized how much I grew as a writer. And I'm like, do I really want to get an audiobook made in my first book? But I know I can make it better. <laughs> the, the cool thing with self-publishing is you can go back, re-edit that, republish it, and then have the audiobook off of that. Newly updated. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fifth anniversary edition, special edition, right? So, <laughs> marketed. It's all good. <laughs> so what marketing have you tried that you would never do again? <sighs> So for me, there's, I learn from everything. Um, and because I usually do smaller investments in different things, I, I wouldn't totally shut any specific thing out. But again, I do tell people, be very careful when you're going into marketing, get a budget, understand how much you want to do, um, because it, it can spiral very quickly. For me, events are one of the things that sell my books the most um and then some of the advertising and things like that come in second so it's getting your name out there and constantly being in front of the public that for me has helped a lot more than some of the marketing efforts or that is a marketing you know a method of marketing so it's just people think of that as not being marketing it is um but not advertising so that, that's been very helpful for me you have a background in sales how has that affected how you market your books definitely so sales to me has always been about relationships and that's exactly what it's been with the books nobody wants to hear or go onto your social media and see buy my book buy my book buy my book eh. uh, it's like used car salesman you don't want to do that right even though right now they're in hot demand because there's no used cars out there but uh, you definitely want to have relationships with your readers and that has again word of mouth is huge and so when you have a personal relationship with your readers and it takes a lot of time it takes work but that's the one that pays off the most that's how you have your most avid fans that's how you have people that tell five and ten and twenty other people go buy this book i know the author she's crazy she's cool she's like real down to earth right and that's what really helps you sell so for me having that background in sales has been very key because you understand what it takes to get people to go like oh you know what i might try that out she seems like a cool person that sounds like a cool concept. Let's give it a try. And, and then 
um, being accessible. I freely answer questions in social media. And so it just helps build that rapport with, with your readers and fans. So you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but do you feel that social media is valuable as an author and why or why not? That's a yes and no. So <laughs> Uh, social media can be a complete time suck. Again, make sure that you a lot, like I'm only going to spend an hour on this platform or that platform. For me, as far as selling books, it hasn't been a huge boon, but back to what we were saying with sales, it is the best way for me to get like constant contact with my, 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 my readers, right? This is how people ask me questions, um, answer, you know, when I did the rebrand of the covers, I popped that out as a question and I had had like over 500 people respond telling me which covers that they wanted me to choose, right? And so that's how you really um, stay in contact with people and find out what's going on in their lives. What are some of the next cool things you can write about, right? Because what are some of the things that they're uh, struggling with maybe in their lives or what would they love to see? And so for me, social media is much more about relationships and relationship building and keeping that going versus utilizing it as a sales vehicle. I probably had just a handful of sales based off of people seeing anything that I post on social media. It's been a lot more with um, building those relationships and, and reaching new readers that way. I just went to a, a conference with Brian Cohen. Um, I think it's just called Self-Publishing Conference. And they it was all this one was about email marketing. And it was all about, okay, do you ask your readers which cover they like better or do you do a cover reveal? Because you can't do both. <laughs> Well, actually I did both. So okay. it was really cool. You can do it. So the cool thing with me was I wound up um, putting the exact covers that I had um, that were designed were not the ones that I actually put in. I had something that was similar okay. and I had another one that Nicole Howard, who was my fantastic designer that redid my books, she had like another concept that was pretty cool. So I put that up there and then I actually just for giggles put up my original one just to see like, okay, out of these three, two by the new designer and one by my original, right? Which ones people like? And so the hilarious thing was behind the scenes, I had wanted to merge two of the things Nicole was doing together. That's exactly what people were saying in the comments. So it's like, we like these covers, but we want you to include like the other characters behind it. And we want you to do something else, right? And so I was able to get all of that feedback and then still do a cover reveal because it wasn't actually any, yeah. And so, and, and it was still cool because even if it would have been exactly one of the ones that people had, you know, had as a choice, people just wanted to know like, okay, I gave input. Like, what did you do? What did you do? Did my input like matter to you or do you suck? You know, kind of thing. Like, did you not listen to me at all? And so it was a really cool full circle moment. And there were so many comments. So I did like a little video reveal and people were like, yes, that's exactly what I wanted. This is awesome. So it, it, it was really cool. I saw your video reveal on Facebook. Oh, Thank you. Uh, yeah, it was great. I like that. So, well, if you could only pass on one thing to aspiring self-published writers, what is your best marketing tip or trick? Always be marketing. <laughs> so <laughs> it's you, you. It's something that so many authors, and I hear this all the time, and I understand it completely. We're more just about writing, right? And it's like that's something that a lot of people don't want to think about. It's like marketing is, you know, that takes different effort, right? And it's how do you get the word out there? So it was hilarious. I had a, a dinner recently, and some of my coworkers know that I'm a published author. Um, a lot 
lot of others don't. And so I happened to have dinner with like two, one who knew and one who didn't. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is like, you didn't know you got to check out our books, right? And so always in my, my backpack and my purse, and I've learned this over the years, I have a postcard that I give out to book clubs. And on the front, it has all three of the covers and it has my website, uh, email, shows, you know, like Amazon bestseller, shows some of the awards that I've won. And then on the back, it's like, join over 29,000 other people and like read what USA Today calls da da da, right? And so I always have that and pop it out. So I've given it out at the strangest places. People have found out about it while we're standing in line at a supermarket checkout and they're like, oh, I like, like this book, you know? And they're like looking at it and I'm like, oh, I might like this, you know, kind of thing, right? On airplanes, on like just everything. So always market, uh, even if you don't want to, it's, it's just have it so that it's easy, <laughs> so that it's something you can easily do instead of being like a pain and a challenge. So. That's a good tip. And I actually do have like postcards with my first book on it with a QR code on the back to buy it, but yes. I don't carry it around with me. I'm like, oh, I should, but I don't like carrying purses. And I thought maybe I should start carrying purses. I hate carrying purses as well. It's either in my car, there's like a little pouch I have in my car that has it, especially if I'm going back and forth and I have my backpack on for work, it's in there. And then when I do have my car, it's in the car. So yeah. And I usually have about 10 of them. <laughs> so... <laughs> I want to switch over from marketing to more of your writing life. And as you've mentioned, how you are always ready to market yourself, whether you're at the grocery store or wherever, how much time do you spend working as an author versus performing other writing-related tasks like editing, finding readers, viewers, marketing your book, etc.? Oh, that's like one of those ones that pains me, right? As as authors, we want to just spend all our time writing. Uh, the cool thing for me, because I love being an um, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, I've, I've never minded. People have told me, I'm the queen of multitasking. Uh, and so it's something that I've just always know that I'm going to spend so much time on writing. I'm going to spend so much time on editing. I'm going to spend so much time on marketing. I'm going to spend so much time with my friends, my family, doing my hobbies that I love, traveling uh, when we can um, <laughs> with COVID, right? And then um, just like cooking or gardening or anything like that. And so again, it's just knowing in your head, how much time do you want to spend doing the things that you love? And making sure that every moment um, counts or matters or that you're living your best life and you're getting to happy, right? For me, unfortunately, I do not write as much as I would love to, but I'm typically every day at least two hours, sometimes eight, 10, 12 hours a day doing something towards towards my book publishing career. But I would love if every day I could set aside like an hour and just write. Some days I do, like I said, I'll probably after this, I have some stuff that's been percolating in my head. So <laughs> writing uh, books two and three for the Sixers. So <laughs> definitely do what makes sense for you. I always tell people, I love the advice of being able to write at least 15 minutes a day, but that's not always practical for people. You know, we have busy lives lives. Don't beat yourself up about it. Don't get mad. Just get back to it when you can. So we'll, we'll, we'll all try to like work with the time we have. So. <laughs> so your Colors Trilogy is an intriguing look at the bonds of friendship while in college and cha the challenges of dealing with trauma or tragedy. So how did you come up with the ideas for your series? So there was just, again, that whole dick wolf lane from the headlines, thinking about different things out there. I'm cracking up because there, for some of the book reviews that we were talking about services, I just saw two reviews come up and one was like, oh my God, there's everything because they're on book two right now. They're like, there's everything in the series. There's like, has to do with 
like getting your degree and getting into the NFL and friendship and love, but it also has to do with, again, the, the trauma from the, you know, living through the trauma from the first one, uh, as well as racism, sexism, this and the other. And they're like, there's everything in this book and it's not crazy. Like, it's, it's so cool. Like, I can't wait to dive into the third one. And I'm like, awesome, right? You can actually address tough topics in an entertaining way that make people think, right? And make people feel. For me, that was the whole thing with it. It was, you know, how do you, as maybe a person that looks white, but actually has like a black father, navigate through the world when you're not white enough and you're not black enough, right? Um, how do you, as a, a person in the world, try to get your career as far ahead as you can and not let like maybe love get in the way, right? Or should you? And there's just all of these different things that everybody goes through as they're, you know, trying to find their place in the world and they're coming of age. And there's all of these really cool different things that we go through that I just wanted to like play with. So <laughs> just a little bit of everything. The series definitely sounds intriguing. And even though I, I kind of read more fantasy and sci-fi, I, I want to pick a book the way you've talked about it. Oh, thank so, you. Yeah, it's definitely an intriguing series that I want to know more about. And especially too, because I have um, a mixed family. And so even just seeing how another you know individual deals with this, you know, where do they stand in the world, um, in their race and stuff. My, my oldest son has had a lot of questions about it all throughout his life. So. Oh yeah, it, it heads definitely on that. Um, another thing that comes up is, you know, one of the characters, Imani, winds up getting in an interracial relationship, right? And as a black woman, sometimes we're told that you can't really do that because you have to like stay true to the race, right? And you hear that in all the different races, you know, we're, we're going through that in America right now. And so it's, you know, do you listen to the noise or do you follow your heart? Do you actually open yourself up to be vulnerable and to love and to experience different things? And that's what it goes through. So I always crack up when I talk to people about the books because they're called The Colors of Friendship, The Colors of Love, and True Colors. And I say, it starts with friendship and may or may not go to love. And at the end of it all, you find out people's true colors. So, <laughs> so you have a new young adult fantasy series coming soon. Are you willing to tell us anything about the Prince Taj Chronicles or are those spoilers you want to say for your newsletter? And when do you think you'll publish the first book? So I will share with people that are signed up to my newsletter at www.krayrayee.com. Do get behind the scenes. <laughs> all the news and updates through there. It's just this really cool series that my son and I wrote together. And it's basically the, the tagline that we've been using is uh, teenage black Jason Bourne meets Star Wars and your hope. So you were saying you like fantasy. It's a really cool fantasy. It's about Todd, 16 year old Todd gets ambushed, finds that he can't remember anything before the ambush and also finds out that there is a clone that is illegal that is going around. And so they have to figure out who, why, how, and if he's the clone or not. And so it's just a really crazy story. Tons of fun. <laughs> is your son going to be a co-author on that? He is on the first one. Uh, we have a running joke in the family where I'm like pulling him off the next two books. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for the first one, definitely. Awesome. Well, that was everything. You have answered all of our questions. Thank you so much for all of your insight and everything. Before we wrap up, can you please tell our listeners and viewers where they can find you online and purchase your books? Definitely. So you can find me online at www.krayrayee.com. You'll find all of my social media links there. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. People keep trying to get me on TikTok and especially with this young adult fantasy 
to. I know I need to because that's where the young adult readers are, but I'm not ready to do that with my background in privacy. I'm like, no, I don't want to get on TikTok yet. Uh, but uh, you can definitely find me on all of the places. And then my books, you can find them anywhere you get books. So they're available through a lot of uh, libraries, definitely on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Kobo, Apple Play, and uh, Google Play and Apple Books. So all over. Awesome. Thank you again so much for joining us today. Um, I wish you all the best of luck in your traditional publishing and self-publishing endeavors. I'm excited to hear what happens with that. So yes, thank you again. Thank you. And good luck to each of the three of you. I can't wait to like check out your books when they come out. So thank you, Shannon, Morgan, Ben. I really appreciate this opportunity and getting to, getting to chat with you guys. So thank you. Yeah. And thank you so much to our listeners and viewers. November 15th, we will have Chris Kenny, a multi-genre author who turned his passion from writing nonfiction fitness books towards science fiction and even a romance novel co-written with his wife. So that's all we have for you today. So goodbye, everybody.